Welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. Yara is the global leader in crop nutrition knowledge and a producer of quality fertilizer products. Grow the future with Yara. Hello, I'm Ken Rundle, and we welcome Phil Burrell, product manager for Yara Vita across Britain and Ireland. And it's those Yara Vita products, supplying nutrients or micronutrients in liquid form, that we're going to focus on as we look forward to the spring. Phil, there's been a little bit of press chatter about liquid applications recently, but you have a particular take on their role and function in any nutrient plan, don't you? Yeah, for sure, Ken. In my mind, folio nutrition should be about optimising yield. Um, but what we need to do is make sure we get the fundamental basics right. If we don't get the basics right, which within that I will include everything from uh, pH when we come to nutrition, because it can have such a massive impact and it's so, so much overlooked. Um, organic matters in soil, compaction, drainage issues, etc., uh, etc. Et the list goes on. If we don't get that fundamental basics right and then follow that with the right MPK, so using the correct Yaramila type fertilizer, so, so we, we get in the correct nutrition in the base, we, we might as well pack up and go home now because for me, folio nutrition is not going to solve problems that have been created by not getting the basics right. The basics must always come first. Folio, it's almost you're talking about folio nutrition as being a kind of tweak operation to, to optimize facilities based on, on a good solid foundation. Definitely. Optimization is the key. It, it's all about optimizing that yield. You know, and we know with with, with any crop nutrition scenario and, and generally anything in life that prevention is better than cure. So taking a proactive approach, I'm, I'm a big fan of. Uh, but but I stress to everybody, if you don't get those basics right, um, you don't get the pH right. You don't then get the macronutrients right. Macro required in kilograms per hectare. So, you know, if you take any crop, but let's take a potato crop. I know we're talking cereals and all seed, but if you don't get the, the, the phosphate right and the potassium right, there really is no point in worrying about whether it's got adequate zinc or copper. Um, get the basics right, use folio nutrition to then optimise yield. Right. Well, as you said, we're going to look at oilseed rape and cereals in this podcast. So let's begin with the rape. I know it's dangerous to generalise, but what state are the crops in at the moment? There seems to be actually a lot of concern around cabbage stem flea beetle and winter stem flea beetle larvae coming in um, reports from around the country uh, that numbers of larvae found in the stem um, is is higher than it has been the last couple of years so it'd be interesting to see how that develops the the other thing with with having quite a dry cold period in early um, early December and then again in January we lost a lot of orseed rape foliage um, so with that in mind, my, my advice to anybody has been to get out there with some early nitrogen and sulfur, uh, get the crop growing. Um, so we've then got enough leaf area to then start to think about folio nutrition. You mentioned flea beetle treatment there. I know that sugar beet growers have been given a special derogation on neonics. What's the situation with orchid rape? Because it's a flowering crop, it's still not um, it's still still not available. And the, the, the issue with the sugar beet crop uh, with the derogation is that you cannot then plant a flowering crop within three years. So for a lot of farmers, uh, that they, they, they'll actually not take up the derogation, I don't believe, because where they've got oilseed rape in the rotation, it's it's just not going to work for them. Um, so we, we have nothing, you know, with flea beetle, again, uh, when it comes to, to, to establishment, it's going back to basics, ensuring good seed to soil contact, ensuring good moisture, growing a vigorous variety, ensuring we get some nutrition in the plant. 
and then when it comes to spring for it to try and combat that larval attack we again we need vigorous varieties that grow away quickly in the spring we then need adequate nutrition to get that plant to move and as you've said if you haven't got decent foliage then the plant just can't operate so you've got to get that foliage restored before you can get any progress at all and 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 the kind weather we had in 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 early mid-february um whilst the book might have said it was too early to put nitrogen on. Um, the the real world said it wasn't because you couldn't miss those opportunities. You know, there was some mild weather, there was some growth, uh, and most people got on and got some nitrogen on those crops. So they're starting to respond now. Once they're then big enough, we can then think about foliar nutrition on all seed rate. There's been some interesting results from work carried out within the members of the ADAS Yield Enhancement Network on this issue. They have, and and with with ourselves being a being a sponsor, we get to see uh, a lot of data from from the Yen project, and certainly tissue analysis and grain analysis, which we're involved in. Uh, and there is a direct correlation between the nutrient status of the plant and the final yield. And with obviously rape, some key nutrients that stand out in that would be boron, molybdenum, magnesium, particularly late, which when you think of the oilseed rate crop its peak demand is um during just prior to flowering so when the crop is hopefully five six foot tall it has a big demand for magnesium and even nitrogen whilst it's not as great there is a benefit from keeping that crop greener so you can see that those farmers that pay more attention to nutrition and ensuring the nutrition's right generally deliver consistently high yields and that means knowing knowing the status of your soils, knowing the status of your plants on a regular basis. Yes, definitely. And I think that's where tissue testing, et cetera, can come in. Um, the interesting one, especially for, for, for cereals, would be grain analysis now, where you can actually look back because we often find um, interactions between the grain and the soil. So, for instance, things like magnesium or, or even phosphate can be very high in the soil. But then when we analyze the grain, uh, the, the, the grain's deficient. So in that scenario, we need to then utilize the foliar nutrition to maximize you know, those individual nutrients and optimize that crop yield. What is it that gives the guys involved the end project the edge, do you think? Is it sharing information? Is it access to data or is it just attention to detail? The latter. Everything is attention to detail in my, in my mind. You know, when it comes to good farming and bad farming, it's generally attention to detail. Yes, if you've got wonderful free draining soils that, that also miraculously hold water and have got high organic matters um they're going to perform but attention to detail is key in everything well let's turn to cereals now especially wheat and again the winter weather seems to have affected growth especially as i understand it root development not a great way to start the spring i suppose no i think the um we have had on the back of a very very dry 2022 um, if we look at the Met Office uh, weather maps for the autumn, particularly November as a month, they were very, very wet in the arable belts, whether it's eastern, southeastern England or the, the east coast of Scotland, uh, very, very wet. And we know that will have an impact on a root system, because if, if you want a crop to root well, then you starve it from 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 moisture and it'll go looking. Um, generally, you know, a wet winter equals a poorer root system. And when we think of the three pillars for cereal yields, it's number of ears per square meter, number of grains per ear, and the size of the grain. And that first pillow, the foundation stage, is all about biomass and rooting. And you know, for me, if you're going to have 
a big structure above ground and, and again from the yen work you can see that the the bigger the biomass crops generally yield higher you, you know every, every big structure needs a solid foundation and that's the root system and if the root system has been compromised uh, we need to do something about that and that's where i believe foliar nutrition in particular can have a big impact because when we look at phosphate how it behaves in the soil it's locked up by ph it's quite immobile and it's and it's very limited when 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 soil temperatures are cold. So an early spring application of foliar phosphate straight into the plant um, can work wonders. And we've seen it in our own trials with things like uh, Yaravita maize boost. Um, don't be confused by the name. It's widely used on other crops, uh, but that's foliar phosphate, including mag, um, magnesium, uh, potash and zinc. Uh, you know, three liters a hectare applied as early as you can in spring will help stimulate that growth. And if you get it on early tillering, it can still have an impact on tillering and also rooting. Um, so, so that's what we'd be advising. Um, and particularly, I think important this year is to get it on as early as you can. Don't just wait until the T0 timing when it's the most convenient. You know, sometimes we need to just do what's right for the crop. And I believe after a wet winter, there'll be a benefit for getting out there early with some foliar phosphate in the form of, of maize boost. So is that what you see as a typical management program for, for Yaravita? Uh, no, I mean, in terms of, in terms of cereals in particular, then, then that early application of foliar P we've seen bigger responses in the autumn, but we, we, we appreciate that with black grass control in a lot of areas, that's not possible. So getting it on as early as we can then in the spring, that will help with rooting. Then we think of the second pillar of yield, which is grain number. That's where the micronutrients come in, particularly copper, zinc, boron. Um, manganese can, can have an impact on, on root health, so particularly in second wheat situations. And fr from our product range there, that's where we recommend Gramitrel. It's our, it's our number one selling nutritional product in the cereal market. Uh, and that is generally applied at the T1 timing. So grow stage anywhere between 31 and 32 to supply all those key micronutrients to ensure that they're not lacking. And then we maximize the number of grains per year. We live and farm in volatile times, which obviously includes the weather. How can farmers keep that nutrient regime flexible enough to be effective and at the same time minimize wasted effort or, in fact, cost investment? I I, I think tissue testing plays a big, big, big impact. And my, my advice on that is don't do it when you see a problem, do it proactively. You know, when, when you look at a crop's key, key periods of nutrient demand, it's during establishment where we're past that apart from spring crops, um, which is why placement works so, so well, uh, during stem extension and during grain fill. So if I was gonna tissue test, I'd tissue test just prior to those key timings, which also correlate to fungicide timings and then you can dress any issues so that's one way of doing it but for me as well is you know do you want to just chase chase a tissue analysis that's all green that could be costly you know we know with with our products we've developed them so they contain the right amount of nutrients required for the cereal crop and something like Gramitrel, it's all about convenience you know making it easy for a grower the key thing at the end for, for me is then to look at your grain as well you know, and then review what you've done in each individual field and learn from that to move forward next year. And that's, I think, is, is the smart way of using nutrition. 
and don't rely just on memory. Have either either pictures from your phones or notes or anything, but have something hard to look back on. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, I, I'm sure in the future, future podcast, somebody from the lab will be on to talk. Um, but they're now looking at a whole database to keep everything in one place from all the, the analysis that comes in from, 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 from the lab at Pocklington. Because, you know, a farmer can have so much information, whether it's soil analysis, manure analysis, tissue analysis, grain analysis, the list goes on. And to get that all in one place to build a picture of your nutrition strategy, I think works very, very well. For those who haven't got the time to do that, again, that's where we see with with the likes of our crop specific products, we develop them for that convenience, that ease of use. So if a farmer wants to take away a simple message, you know, we can say, go and put this product on at this rate, at this timing, and all our trials have said, this is what it will do. Again, my my, my, my take home to anybody is I, I could bore everyone to death with countless graphs, uh, but there's nothing like trying something on your own farm, whether that's a variety, um, a piece of machinery, or a Yara Vita product. Uh, and my advice to anybody is we've got plenty of data we can share with you, but we'll share with you the data and then go and go and buy yourself a couple of cans and put it in the middle of a field and see what the Weybridge says, because ultimately margin over input cost is what matters. And bear in mind that the fields are different as well. Correct. Let's go over then what you think are the key messages to take from this discussion, Phil. So I think to, to, to simplify, when it comes to oilseed rape, then as soon as there's enough foliage, we, we would recommend our crop-specific Yaravita Brastrol Pro, three litres a hectare applied at the stem extension timing and good trial results to back that up. For, for cereals, for winter cereals, get out there as soon as you can travel, um, get some foliar phosphate on Yaravita Maze Boost, stimulate that rooting, stimulate that crop growth. And then when it comes to the T1 timing, that's where the key micronutrients uh, have an impact. And that I would put two litres a hectare of Yaravita Gramitrel on. Um, what I would say is if you want more in-depth stuff, we had a webinar recently, which is on our YouTube channel uh, about maximising nutrition on arable crops with, with, with foliar, foliar nutrients, maximising yield and profitability. So please, please take a look at that. Yeah, there'll be other other folk than me asking questions to that, so that you'll be getting uh, getting a, a real farmer's angle from that point of view. Definitely, definitely. So that that will be a lot more in depth, you know, agronomic. Look at look look at the data, look at etc. But um, but yeah. So for me, oilseed rate, get the Brass Trail Pro on as soon as you've got enough foliage, uh, and for cereals, maize boost as early as you can. Gramitrel at T1. Words of wisdom there from Phil Burrell, product manager for Yara Vita. Thanks for that, and I'm sure it's been useful. I'm Ken Rundle, and I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with another Grow the Future podcast. Join me then. In the meantime, let's hope the spring weather isn't as volatile as all that. Thanks for listening to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. For more information, visit yara.co.uk or yara.ie.